there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. Global Legacy, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Global Legacy is the apostolic network that has been created uh, from Bethel Church. Um, and so most of, you know, most of the, the, well, it, it, it's awesome. So I was out there... Uh, this week, we had the privilege of having Steve Backlund uh, there this week, and it was so cool. Um, Steve probably has affected, in practical ways, my life more than any other author. And I'm just being very real about that because, I mean, I, I've read Bill Johnson's books, and they are amazing. Uh, one book that I read from Chris Vallon actually totally shaped uh, my thinking in, in some areas. There's some things that I've, I've read some great stuff, but Steve Backlin has probably affected me more than any other author. And the reason I would say that is because his stuff is so practical. It's so like right in your life. It's like you, you have the opportunity. Uh, most of his, most of his books um, are, are books that they're like made like a devotional. Like you can read one page a day and that's all you need to read. And if you'll just take one page and like read that page or maybe it's two pages, sometimes they're, they're two pages, but uh, they're so practical and, and you can apply that right there, right then, right now. And um, it, it's, it's phenomenal. He has some things that, I mean, I've read, I was actually, when I was at the conference this week, uh, and he had his book table there, of course, and, and it was all laid out. And I was looking, I always, when I'm down at Bethel, I always look like, does Steve have any new books? And I was looking this week, and I'm like, I have every one. <laughs> and I've read every one. It's like, how many of you have ever bought a book and never read it? Anybody? I mean, pastors do this notoriously. I mean, I have like my bookcase full of books that I've never even opened. I'm like, I'm going to read that someday. And then I don't ever get around to it. But Steve's books, I actually read them because they just pull me in and they just invite me to be transformed. And I'm telling you, part of, part of that I'm sharing, with that, sharing that with you because some of you are thinking, I don't want to do this negativity fast thing. It's not for me. I'm telling you, it's for you. It's, you're the, if you're the one that's like arguing with me in your mind right now, like, but I'm not going to do it. You're the one that needs it the most. So um, I want to encourage you. Like, I would never do those kind of things. Like negativity fast, that sounds ridiculous. I'm not doing that. I've been transformed buy it. You need it. If you're arguing with me right now, like I'm not going to, if you're like getting angry, the more I talk, that's, you're the one, you're the one that needs it the most. I'm just saying. So check it out. Ignitinghope.com. Join us with that because our, you know, we're not trying to like do anything except for offer the opportunity for you to be transformed. Here's the thing that stuck out. Steve has a lot of like isms that are like his thing. He like says certain things over and over and over and, and they just they stick in your mind. But uh, one of the things that stood out to me uh, from um, some of his testimony, um, he talks about the fact that, that he was a, uh, I don't know how he says it actually right now, but joy uh, challenged believer. Like... <laughs> Yeah, something like that. So, like, he just didn't do joy well. Um, but anyway, one of the, the things that stood out to me about his testimony is uh, actually more about uh, something that he shares about his wife, Wendy, that stood out. And it's like when they were first jumping into being pastors uh, in, in Nevada, uh, Round Mountain, Nevada, uh, they were pastors out in the middle of the desert for 10 years. And uh, is it 12 years? I think it was 12 years, but uh, something like that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> they, uh, they talked about the fact that as they were growing in the Lord, they, they, they were Romans 12, one Christians. And, and let me read Romans 12.1, and, and you'll understand maybe. But uh, Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And, and that's, that is amazing. It's an amazing verse. <clears throat> and I don't want to discourage you from doing that. That's actually a good idea 
Present your bodies to God. Present your heart to God. How many of you have prayed the prayer in your life at one point or another? God, I give you my heart. Like one time, 10 times, 100 times. So I've prayed that prayer more times than I care to count. God, I give you my heart. I'm just giving you my whole heart. I'm not holding anything back. God, I give it all to you. How many have prayed a prayer really similar to that? Well, they were, they were there in Round Mountain, Nevada, and they were, they, were, they were going after this. And Wendy particularly was praying, God, I give you my heart. And she, the, the Holy Spirit interrupted her and said, Wendy, I have your heart. But I want your mind. She was like, like, Lord, I give you my heart. He's like, I know, I have it. But I want your mind. And and, and this is where they, they talk about trans, transitioning to Romans 12.2 Christians. Which, this is Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We want to give God our heart, but God's like, no, if you could just give me your thoughts, let me, let me help you with your, the way you meditate. I mean, sometimes we are, we are so discipled by the, the things of the world, by the ideas of the world. I mean, we've got, we've got the news channels and we've got Facebook and we've got, uh, we've got all of these external things that are speaking into us and are, 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 are challenging our worldview and they're telling us what to think. And God's saying, if you give me your, your mind, I can bring transformation that comes out of heaven. How many know God doesn't think like we think? His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. But it's not meant to stay that way. <laughs> it's not meant to stay that way. He wants, he, he's like, you can come and have my thoughts anytime you want. <laughs> Don't think on earthly things, but set your mind on things above. I think that's a scripture somewhere. I think I read that sometime. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> So anyway, I, uh, anyway, I was, I was out there um, and I had this like surrender moment. Uh, Helen was talking to us about surrender this morning. I had this surrender moment and um, we were, it was the last night of the conference and it was really, really great. The presence of God was there. It was so amazing. The, the glory of his presence and this fellowship of the uh, of just a bunch of us that are connected. Uh, you know, some, just ran into some some really great people that I've known and some that some new connections as well. But just it was amazing. So we're we're there. We're enjoying the presence of God and and Steve was was preaching on joy, um, which. Basically, what that means is we were laughing the whole time, um, sometimes intentionally and sometimes because we couldn't help it. Um, and uh, it was just, sometimes it was funny and sometimes it's the, the, the presence of the Lord comes. And uh, how many have experienced a little holy laughter, uh, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, there was some of that going on that night and just, uh, it was so good. And then they, they had this plan to have a fire tunnel, and um, they had asked certain ones that were there to be the to be the ones that were releasing the fire tunnel. Right? They were positioned in, like a tunnel and and ready to to release that over everyone else that was there. And uh, so we all at the end we we line up and uh, excuse me, I think I need a little bit of water. Uh, we line up and. and I mean, we're probably, I don't thinking about the number of people that were there. We may have had a hundred. It was kind of like when you guys were there the night before, about a hundred people. So we're not talking like a, a huge crowd, but we get there and it's like, it's taking a long time because, you know, you get some cars that try to go through the tunnel and they park instead, right? <laughs> it's like just right at the entrance of the tunnel. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> and there was all kinds of stuff happening. 
um, you know, they start to, people start to go into the, into the tunnel and, and people are praying for them and, and they, they, they be, they'd start laughing and they'd fall out on the floor. And, um, and then of course that's like, that's parking in, in the tunnel. <clears throat> so, so they're just, they're stopped for a minute. So I'm, I'm like, I'm a pretty, uh, um, laid back guy. So I don't always get in the front of the line at those kind of things. So I kind of sauntered over and got in line and I was there waiting for a while. And I had this little bit of a conversation with the Holy Spirit as I'm waiting. And I'm, I'm kind of watching other people get ministered to and, and they're falling out and they're laughing hysterically. And, and I'm just having this conversation like, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do that tonight. And the Holy Spirit's like, are you sure? <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm just like conversing with them like, yeah, I don't know if I, you know, I don't want to get all emotional and, and worked up and <laughs> I should know better than this. <laughs> okay, every time I've had these kind of conversations with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't turn out well for me. But I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look that fun. I mean, <laughs> no, I didn't really say that, but you know, I was just watching them and I'm like, I don't know if I... I don't know if I really want to let go. And then, and I and I, I actually said that on the inside of my heart. I'm like, and then I was like, um, let go of what? What was it I was, what was it I have to let go of? I'm like, well, pride, um, insecurity, fear of man, fear of rejection. I'm like, well, yeah, those don't sound too good. You know, I'm like, <laughs> do I really want to hold on to those? Like, oh, just got to hold on to that pride. Just got to keep that insecurity flowing. Like, right? Like, when you start thinking through what you're actually thinking about, you realize how ridiculous you are sometimes. I mean, I'm not saying that about you. I mean, you're probably not, but I was being ridiculous. And so I just like, as I'm getting closer to the front of that line, I'm still kind of internally, like, I don't know, God, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I can, I don't know. And I just, I just made a commitment to God. I'm like, God, I want everything you have. I want, I don't want to miss out on one thing that you want to do in my life tonight. You want to move me forward and it's probably going to be a little bit messy, but just do it do it. Do it all. Don't, don't leave one thing undone. Don't leave one stone unturned. Don't, don't let me hold on to one thing that you'd like to see freedom. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, we're like, we're trying to experience freedom, but we're holding on. Like, like, God, please don't take my bondage from me. Right? Well, I'm really kind of, I'm really kind of accustomed to this bondage. I really kind of like it wrapped around me and keeping me from being who you've made me to be. Everybody say, ouch. That's just so real. We do that. We hang on to the things that actually they're not even helpful to us. And so I'm like having that conversation. I finally just let go. Like, God, I'm just going to, like, whatever. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe nothing will happen. I kind of was, this is, that was kind of my logic. I'm talking, you know, I could let go and nothing could happen. It could be all right. (laughs) That doesn't work that way most of the time. But anyway, I was, um, I haven't even got to my notes yet, so just just hang on. This is this is better than my notes anyway. I'm having more fun talking about it. So I get in I get into the first part of the fire tunnel and I'm I'm still internally like I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um but I but I had made the commitment to God. I want everything. I don't I don't wanna hold back. So um Galen Gingrich, um who is the one who organizes the conferences up here, uh, the Global Legacy Northwest Conference. He's a pastor from McMinnville, Oregon. Uh, Big guy, I mean, extremely jovial and happy. He's standing on one edge of the front of the fire tunnel, and Steve Backland is standing on the other edge of the fire tunnel, right? So, um, and we're walking through that. They're like the big gateway, right? So um, as I'm, uh, I'm approaching it, Galen kind of puts his hand on around me, kind of almost like a hug, but he, he puts his arm on my, on my back, a hand on my back, and just kind of 
belly laughs on me. <laughs> and, and when he touched me, it actually knocked me sideways, not physically, but there was, there was something that was imparted that knocked me sideways. So I started kind of heading towards Steve and Galen ran around the other side, which was kind of funny to watch actually. But, um, so he ran around the other side to be, to be my catcher and grabbed me on the other side. And so, and then he, and then I had the same thing happen. I started heading back the other direction and I'm starting to get really drunk in the spirit. This is happening really fast. Uh, and so uh, I, I start heading back the other way. So Galen kind of trots around to catch me on the other side. And he kind of catches me on the other side. And right as he kind of touches me on the other side, Steve Backlund comes at me like right here. <laughs> He's like head, right hands first, right on my chest. And man, I just went down so fast. I didn't, nobody caught me. I hit the floor. Don't remember anything. I was laughing like a hyena. Uh, the whole room knew what was happening to me. Everybody was like, what just happened? Because they saw and heard the big, probably a big thud. I'm thinking, I, I didn't hear anything like that, but, um, it was just, it was amazing. And what happened in my spirit is God gave me a joy upgrade. I heard the Holy Spirit whisper that phrase over me, joy upgrade. So I guess I'm just releasing that. That's not even in my notes at all, but I just want to release that to you, that there's an upgrade in your life. God wants to release joy that takes you further than you've been before. How many know that joy is strength? That's actually a Bible verse too. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need it. We need it. Hmm. Why don't you put your hands out? Oh, if you came here to hear a good sermon... Sorry, but all I got is this. I mean, this is it. I'm kidding. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just release upgrade, upgrade joy. <laughs> joy in the midst of turmoil, joy that overcomes sorrow, joy that, that laughs in the face of darkness, joy that, that stands in the midst of, of, of affliction, joy that comes in the morning in the midst of, of craziness, in the midst of chaos, joy that helps us to be strong in the middle of the battle. Upgrade right here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's release it right now. You might just want to laugh a little bit just because you're receiving it right now. <laughs> Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Upgrade us, God. Make us ready for this next season that we're stepping into. Strong enough. Strong enough to overcome. <laughs> Don't forget, joy is the strength. If we're going to be strong enough, it's going to be because we have an upgraded joy. Ha, <laughs> That's another thing I was hearing this morning is we were singing that song, Your Love is Strong. So good. And um, I just was hearing it's, it's stronger than the oppression. It's stronger than depression. His love is stronger than insecurity and fear. It's stronger than rejection. It's stronger than the pain of your past. It's stronger than the trauma that you experienced that has you bound up in insecurity and fear. It's His love is stronger than that. Whatever, whatever you would typify as your obstacle, this is what I, this is what I wrestle with. Well, His love is stronger than that. His love is stronger. There's some, uh, there's some relational issues that some of you are thinking of that you, you think it's not big enough for that. Actually, you're not thinking that, but it's, but I'm telling you, 
His, his love is big enough for those things, those relational challenges. Maybe it's with a spouse, or maybe it's with siblings, children, I don't know what it is. His love is strong enough to overcome all those things. We like to put it in lots of spiritual terms. His love is stronger than the grave. Of course, it's in the song. It's good. It's true. His love is stronger than the grave. But sometimes I think it helps us to actually bring it right into our own experience. It's it's stronger than my insecurity. Stronger than my fear of failure. Yeah, just personalize that right now. His love is stronger. Just sit, you might want to just say it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things we've been learning that we don't we don't see transformation by um, thinking a great thought. We say uh, we see transformation by declaring a great word. So, um, sorry, Helen, um, <laughs> couldn't step away from it for a moment. But just declare it with your own mouth. His, lo- his love is stronger than, than just put your thing right there on the end of that phrase. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Last week, I shared a message uh, that was my processing of a couple prophetic encounters that I've had recently. And just as I'm saying that, let me just tell you, encounters are not supposed to be things that happen like once a decade. Like we're not supposed to remember back to, you know, 1987 when we had an encounter with God. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't remember what happened in 1987, I mean, we our, our life with God is a, is a is a is a story on. So we we could yeah. Helen was is that the year? Just pulled that out of the hat right there. It's the year before I graduated high school. Just so, to let you know where that's at. Yeah, that's how old I am. <clears throat> My kids just appreciated that. Like, Dad, you are old. I, I just heard that. <laughs> Uh, it's great to remember what God did yesterday. It's a great thing to remember what happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, Those things are, the testimonies in our life that happened then are still speaking now. They're They're still proclaiming and releasing the power of testimony into our present situation. So I'm not saying that those old encounters are old and they have no meaning. But what I am saying is because we live uh, in a living relationship with Jesus, encounters are something we ought to encounter all the time. And so uh, when I talk about my encounters with God, I want you to understand that this is, this is what it looks like to live a life that's connected to God all the time. We have encounters and he speaks to us and he, and he shares things with us and he, and he leads us on, on a journey that takes us somewhere. He wants to do this with you. If you like, feel like I haven't encountered God for a long time, well, he wants to, he wants to awaken something in you today to begin to experience him on a, on, a, on a different kind of level. He wants to encounter you. But these two prophetic encounters that I've had recently, I shared them last week, so, but I'm going to hit them again today just for a little bit of context. But I saw a vision of me uh, awakening each one of you as, as members of our church. And, and, and really what I saw was me shaking you almost violently, uh, waking you up to pray waking you up to live in the fullness of life. That's what I saw. I was seeing that. Uh, there, there was a lot of other stuff that was surrounded this encounter, but that was, in essence, that's what I saw. I saw myself shaking you. You're welcome. So um, I knew uh, that the Lord was speaking to me and charging me to, to be that agent of awakening in your life, waking you up to what God is doing uh, in, in your life and in this hour uh, in our church and in our region, waking us up to, to begin to live in the fullness that God's called us to. 
second thing that I, I shared with the other encounter that I had was I, I saw a vision of myself standing. I was actually sitting out here in, uh, in front of the ministry center, um, and I saw myself stand up. And when I stood up, uh, when I was sitting down, I looked normal. But when I stood up, I became giant size. I, I literally, I was, my, my waist was about the top of the rooftops and I could see across our valley all the way to the east side of Puyallup. And I, and I just began to, to declare uh, uh, healing and restoration and breakthrough, freedom from oppression, freedom from constriction and restriction uh, over the eastern part of our city. So that was, those are the two encounters that kind of birthed the message that I shared last week, and 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 um, I don't know how that how that strikes you, but like a lot of people want to like have expository teaching out of the Bible, and I'm like that's I I, I think that's really good. I want to I mean I I have a, a value for that, but just my gift, how I operate is I, I, I really get pulled along on the prophetic journey. So a lot of times, I'm like, what is the Lord saying? right now over us. So that's kind of why uh, a lot of times you'll hear me talk about what happens to me, what God's speaking to me about, where, what journey he's taking me on. Because to me, that's where a lot of my, uh, my encounter happens. Um, a lot of some people encounter God in the word and, and I do, it's occasional where that, where I am reading the word and it jumps off the page and I'm like, Oh my gosh, God, I encounter him there. But so many more times for me, I encounter him in worship. And I encounter him in these prophetic journeys that I am on with him. Um, and how many know one encounter is, is not necessarily better than the other, right? Just so we know, I mean, I, I have a huge value for people that, that find incredible truth in scripture and they, they bring it and share that. There's rhema words that come out of the scripture. Believe me, I'm, I love that. But I, I kind of live from these prophetic encounters, and, and that's a lot. Um, just my style, I guess, whatever. You can either like it or not, but that's where I'm at. But I know I've been charged by God to release awakening over your life. Um, maybe you like being asleep. <laughs> Sorry. But I get to wake you up. But <laughs> and just so there's no condemnation here, uh, when I'm saying you know you like being asleep, I'm obviously not really saying that in a spiritual sense. Like you like being like, because uh, if you if you think I'm saying that you're asleep in the spirit, I'm not saying that. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today. But I, I believe I'm called to awaken you to live in fullness and to to pray in the fullness, um, to, to walk, to live a life with God that has the full expression of what he intends. So this, this uh, we, we kind of visited this scripture often. Helen started it, so you can blame her for the rest. But um, uh, Zechariah chapter four, uh, it says in verse one, it says, then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. And he asked me, what do you see? In, in the message translation, this says, the messenger angel again called me to attention. And it was like being wakened out of a deep sleep. Now, when I was reading that, I looked at that and it kind of saw something I hadn't seen before. I guess I encountered God in the word. Doggone it, I guess I'm just going to have to say it happens to me too. All right. Um, but I, I saw something I didn't see before. And that was this. It says, it says, then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up. Now, um, what was... I started kind of looking at that that interchange there, and what um, some I looked at like a whole bunch of different translations. Like like what does it say in in the New King James? What does it say in the New American Standard? What does it say in the New Living? What does it say in the King James? What does it say in the Amplified? I looked at a lot of different translations. Okay, and basically all of them kind of indicate that 
Zechariah was having this conversation with the angel. So in other words, chapter four here, how many know that when these were written, they didn't have chapter and verse? This happened more like a story, right? So Zechariah starts talking in Zechariah four. He, he's not like on a brand new day. It's like Zechariah three ended and you know, then he goes to bed and the next day Zechariah four happened. Zechariah three is a continuation into Zechariah four, right? <laughs> so what, what's happening is this, this angel and Zechariah were talking and you can go back and read. There's actually there's some really amazing things that take place in Zechariah chapter three. And I could spend the whole rest of our time today talking about what's in Zechariah three, but there were some good things going on in Zechariah three. And then it says, the angel who's talking with me returned and woke me up. Something kind of like didn't fit there for me. I was like, wait a second. I don't get it. I'm just trying to understand like what was happening. So the angel of the Lord is speaking to Zechariah, telling him some things. He's, he's uh, having this prophetic visitation. He's seeing these things. He's hearing uh, the angel talk to him and declare some things. And then the angel comes to him and wakes him up. But unless Zechariah was talking in his sleep, he was already awake. Are you, like, are you following me? Zechariah is in the middle of a conversation with this angel. He's watching the angel uh, declare. He's hearing. He's experiencing what's happening in this conversation. He's engaged in the conversation. He was engaged enough to write it down afterwards, which is why we can read Zechariah chapter 3. And then it says the angel came to him and woke him up. Like someone awakened from sleep. And again, I looked through this, this, like several different translations of this verse. And almost all of them use the word like. Everybody say like. like. I'm not talking like on Facebook. Like. The angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. It was like he was asleep, but it wasn't actually like he wasn't actually asleep, but it was like he was asleep. Are you following me? He wasn't asleep, but apparently he wasn't fully awake either. We looked at this scripture last week, Luke chapter 9, uh, and this is the, this is the, uh, this is verses 28 through 32 if you're writing notes down. But uh, Luke chapter 9, this is when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he takes them up on the mountain, and he is transfigured before them. And I had never seen this in the story at all. Uh, uh, at all. But, I mean, they're up on the mountaintop having this incredible experience. Jesus is, is being transformed, and, and, uh, and Moses and Elijah are showing up. But where are our Peter, James, and John? It doesn't actually mention them until verse 32, and it says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. <laughs> they're on the mountaintop experience with God. They're seeing something no one has ever seen before or since. Right? I mean, this is an incredible moment. And they are sleepy. Some translations actually say they were asleep. And, and then it says this, but when they became fully awake. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. So, the picture that this gives is that his glory was there. It was already, I mean, it was like mid-moment trans, uh, transfiguration. Jesus, his glory is on the scene, but they didn't see it until they were fully awake. <laughs> but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. Let me tell you something. When you are fully awake, when you're living fully awake, you see God's glory. 
God's glory is there. I'm just telling you right now, uh, how many know the scripture, um, you know, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of us probably thought that you know what that really is saying is that the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Someday, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. I just got to tell you, that's not what the scripture says. What it says is the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Let me just let me just clue you in for just a minute. Since Jesus has died and has risen from the grave, his glory is filling the earth. His glory already fills the earth. What doesn't what isn't true yet is that the knowledge of his glory hasn't yet filled the earth. Because let me just help you connect the dots in my uh, in my crazy brain here but the dots are this the, the knowledge of the glory of the lord hasn't filled the earth yet because we aren't fully awake to see his glory if that offends you like i'm telling you you're not fully awake i'm sorry but it's just it's a reality there's a there's an there's an idea of what it looks like to be fully awake and, I, and i'm not sure that we're there I actually believe that uh, you could you could be living the life that you dreamed of. You could be walking in, a f- in what you imagine as the fullness. If you're still on this planet, which thankfully all of you who are here are, if you're still breathing, which again, thank you that you are, then there's more for you. There's more for you to see. There's more for you to encounter in God's presence. There's more to become fully awake for you. Uh, one of the scriptures that I read last week again and, and is this is in Revelation chapter three, and it's 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 where Jesus, uh, the resurrected, ascended Jesus, is encountering John the apostle, and he's speaking to him and he's telling him a whole bunch of amazing things. But he's having him write letters to seven different churches. Um, this is uh, chapter three in Revelation uh, is actually the start of the fourth letter uh, to the churches. And this letter is written to the city of Sardis. And it says this, write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Sardis. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. In case you're not sure who that is, that that happened back in Revelation chapter 1, and it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars in his hands. It's it's the resurrected, ascended Jesus. And actually, if you if you study this, you'll see that in the in the revelation and the letters that, that Jesus uh, dictates to John to have him write to these churches. Uh, he kind of he kind of pulls from the initial encounter that happens in Revelation chapter one, and, and he has a specific revelation that comes to each of the seven churches. Like uh, to this church, I'm 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 unveiling myself as the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. If you read each of the letters, you can pull back to Revelation chapter one and see which part of that unveiling does he identify for each one of those churches. It can be very interesting. It's not what we're going to talk about today. But anyway, that's Jesus that holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And he's speaking. He says, I know all that you do, and I know that you have a reputation for being really alive, but you're actually dead. Wake up and strengthen all that remains before it dies, for I haven't found your works to be perfect in the sight of my God. So remember all the things you received and heard, and then turn back to God and obey them. For if you continue to slumber, I will come to you like a thief, and you'll have no idea what hour I will come. Okay, there's a whole bunch there, and I'm just going to focus on one little little piece, one aspect, and that is this aspect of having the appearance or having the reputation of being really alive. Now, Sardis, the actual word Sardis means remains. 
So what they have this reputation. It's actually kind of a part of their name. Um, and they had actually withstood uh, two major uh, battles, major uh, actually invasions of different nations uh, that, that came in and destroyed them. And they withstood. They remained. They didn't get wiped out. There was There's a remnant that stayed. And so they kind of have this prophetic proclamation of who they are as a, as a city that says, we are the ones who remain. Do you get that picture? Now, what, what this is saying is that you have the reputation of being the ones who remain. You have the reputation of being the ones who stand strong to the end. But let me just tell you, I'll give you a little insight, you're actually dead. Now, what this is, is like the, it's, like the, it's like Sunday morning church. It's like we, we talk to people, and maybe this isn't our experience here in this environment. I hope it's not. But, but how many, like, have ever had, like, conversation with people that you're not really all that close with? And they're like, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you very much. How was your week? Oh, it was great. Never had a problem in my life. Never encountered any difficulty. But we're not, I mean, it's not that we, sometimes that's just real. I mean, we can't like necessarily share with people that we're not all that familiar with. That's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that that's evil. Uh, actually, sometimes it's healthy to have some boundaries. Like I'm not going to share with you the fact that I was really discouraged this week at some point. It's okay. So I'm not trying to say that if you ever do that, that you're evil. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that you're not actually sharing a whole lot for real. There's not a real, uh, trend. there's not, there's not, um, what's the word? Transparency. I was trying to find it. I knew it was trans something. <sighs> trans something. I can't think of it. Transparency. There was not, there's not a lot of transparency in that conversation. You're kind of holding them at a distance. If you wanted to take a look at that relationship that's happening right there, it's like, that's not real deep, right? How are you doing? Just doing well, doing great, bless God. There's not a lot of, uh, of transparency there. There's not a lot of real relationship there. And in, I mean, and this is kind of what this is pointing to. When God is saying that um, you think you're alive, but you're actually dead, it's like we have this sense like the things are good. I, you know, there was these moments this week where I just like, I felt God's presence. He was speaking to me. I felt like I knew I was a son. I knew he was for me. I mean, there were some other moments. We're not going to talk about those right now, though. Are you following me? What, what God is doing is, what Jesus is doing is he's coming. He's saying, there's moments when you experience this feeling of being alive. You think you're fully alive. You think you're walking in, in the fullness. But let me just tell you, you haven't got a clue. You're not walking yet in the fullness that I have for you. You have the appearance, the reputation of being really alive. In the Passion Translation, that's in quotes. Like, you have the reputation for being really alive. I love that. It's like, I mean, it's like us charismatic churches, right? Like we have, we're just alive and we come in and there's, there's clapping and people raise their hands and worship and we're just so alive. You have no idea how alive you can really be. <clears throat> we're living in the days of the fulfillment of prophetic destiny about a third great awakening a billion soul youth harvest. I mean, these are prophetic words by some very major prophets, um, like big names that have prophesied things over uh, our world, not even just our nation, but our, our whole world experiencing awakening, harvest. The first and the second great awakenings came and the spirit of God was poured out. Hearts were turned to God. People were saved and set free. Revival came. And we hear and we believe that we are on the onset of the third great awakening. But here's the problem. We think about awakening as if it's a destination. Like, we're going to get there. Someday we're going to experience awakening. 
what what do we, I mean, if we actually think that thought all the way through, what we're actually saying is like, right now we're just, we're just sleeping. We're just sleeping and someday we'll get to be awakened. The whole idea of awakening speaks to a process of bringing that which was not awake to a state of being awake. It's a process. The things that we think will be happening once awakening starts are likely more what happens once awakening has already occurred. One of my strong beliefs about revival is that we carry revival. It's right there, right on the wall. Revival is this, releasing the power of the normal Christian lifestyle. Revival is not something that, that, that we have to like fast and pray and wait and wait and earnestly hope for God to do. He's, uh, let me just help you with this. He already did it. Revival ought to be the normal state of the believer. It's normal Christianity. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't do his part. There are sovereign moments. But here's one of my favorite quotes from Bill Johnson is, everybody loves to talk about, pray about revival. But my thought is, why don't we just have one? (laughs) And we think that's kind of like blasphemy. Like, you can't just decide to have revival. I mean, that's God's thing. Like when he does his thing, that's revival. No, revival, I mean, look at the word. I mean, hello. I mean, not like the Bible word. I'm talking about the word revival. What does it mean? Revive. Vive, in case you're not there with me, is talking about life. It's actually like, is this French? Viva la France. I was <laughs> like, viva. That, the vibe is, it's a, it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a Greek word that is, is the root, but it is, it's about life. And then that, that little uh, word, re, what does that mean? Again, do it again. Bring life again. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about awakening. Life. When I wake up, it takes me a little bit of time. <laughs> you notice my wife laughed. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I do not wake up fast. Let's just say that. I don't, I mean, mornings are not my favorite time of the day. Some of you like the dawn wakes up and you're already there. Like (laughs) been here for hours waiting for the sun to come up. Uh, If that's you, praise God for you, but that's not me at all. I'm not like that. And I'm sorry to tell you, but God didn't make me that way. So I'm happy with me. I'm okay that I take a little bit to wake up. And I don't don't know if I entirely know what this means, but I think it's connected to that dream you had about Angie and I. So so I don't know exactly, but if you know, don't tell me now because it could mess everything. I'm kidding. (laughs) I take a little bit of time to wake up. But, and that's, that's not really true. I take a long time to wake up. I used to tell people that, like, I can get up at six in the morning. I mean, my, my alarm works just like the rest of yours. And if I, if I get up at six in the morning, I'm still not fully awake till usually after 10. I'm just being very real. This is, that's the truth. I mean, sometimes it, it just takes me a long time. Sometimes I, this is my real experience. I, I'll get up and I'll walk into the bathroom and I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, I know I'm supposed to do something now. I don't know what it is. And I stare into the mirror. And, I'm like, and sometime later, 
I realize it's been a half an hour and I haven't done anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? I've been sleepwalking, standing right here looking at myself in the mirror. That's great on days when that doesn't matter, but it doesn't work out so good when I'm supposed to be somewhere at a certain time, right? There was a time actually, this is a little literal story where I was, I, I got up, I was, I had to get up super early. It was like getting up at like 5 a.m. because I was trying to leave the, by 5.30 because I was driving to Redding, California. I was going to Redding and I was supposed to have, get there in time to do some things with my kids who are down there. So I'm like, five I'm getting up at 5. It shouldn't take me that long to get from 5 to 5.30. I mean, I don't have... You know how it is when you're going on a trip, right? You get everything ready the night before. Everything's like packed. I've got everything ready. Literally, I got to get up, get dressed, put the hat on, walk out the door. I mean, there's not a lot to do, right? I'm not joking. you. I got up at 5, and I do not know what happened. I did not leave until it was quarter to 6, and I... And I and I still, for, to this moment, have no idea what I did for 45 minutes. I'm not joking at all. I have no idea. Waking up takes time. It's not an immediate thing. There's two, there's, there's two things that wake me up immediately. Anybody have some things that wake you up immediately? That doesn't work for me. Um, <laughs> Seriously, you can ask my wife. That doesn't work for me. The kids come in and out of our room in the middle, and I have no idea they're there. Um, two things will wake me up. Uh, the, the, the first one is when I forget to set my alarm. I experienced that this morning, actually. I didn't set my alarm. I thought I did, but I didn't. You know, and I'm sleeping away, doing, doing well. And all of a sudden, my wife's alarm goes off. And I woke up, and now I, I'll be honest, I wasn't fully awake still, but I was, I woke up kind of quick, and it was like, my first thought was like, ah! I can't actually communicate with words, because that would not be legal in church. That wasn't my thought, it was, it was illegal words. Just put your own words there, and you'll know what I thought. But that will wake me up quickly. The second thing is the one that's more fun for me. It's if in my dream state, my sleeping state, I think that my wife has whispered to me like this, John, no joke. If I hear in my head, my wife whisper my name, it's like instant awake, terror. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm positive that if God wants to talk to me in the middle of the night, he's going to say in my wife's voice, John. <laughs> he's not going to use his own voice because he knows I'll just sleep right through it. He's going to use her voice and he's going to whisper, John. I'm not joking at all. I really think that. Because that, 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 there's nothing like that to, to, to release terror to have adrenaline in my system like that. That does it every single time. But, yeah, <laughs> that's it. In the spirit realm, much like in the natural realm, when we're waking up, there are a few things that start to happen. We start to become aware of our surroundings. When I'm in a really deep sleep, sometimes I'm disoriented. How many of you experience this sometimes? Like, it happens on Monday mornings a lot to me. I don't know why. But Monday mornings, I'll wake up, and I'm like, I have no idea where I am or what day it is. Have you experienced that? I remember one time I was camping with my, with my brothers and my dad, and we were camping, and, and we got really tired, and we came home. It was, uh, we came home Sunday afternoon, and we got home about 2 o'clock, and, like, all of us were exhausted. So we went, um, I don't know what everybody else did, but I went to my bedroom and fell asleep. I fell asleep, and I slept like I had not slept in days, which is probably true because I was camping, right? And so I, I, I woke up. And I, I, I looked over at the clock, and it said 8. I see it, thanks. I, it said 8, and it was, it's a digital clock, and so it doesn't tell me exactly 
what time of day it is. It says eight o'clock. And I kind of I look out my window. I was actually sleeping in the basement. So I had a little, like one of those little relief windows. And so I looked out the window. It's like, I could tell that the sun uh, wasn't fully up, but it wasn't fully down either. It wasn't dark, but it wasn't light. Um, so I knew it was kind of in the middle. So I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe it, but I slept all the way till morning and I got to be to school in about 15 minutes. It's eight o'clock. I got to get going. So I, I, I run upstairs and I, I mean, I get dressed first. Um, I run upstairs and I'm starting to kind of pull myself together to get, to get out the door to school. And and my parents and my family are sitting down and they're, they're eating like that would be breakfast. I'm like, that's awesome. Breakfast is ready. I'm so glad. I sit down and on my plate is a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> and I'm like, my parents are crazy. I mean, some of you already know what happened, right? But it wasn't eight o'clock in the morning. It was eight o'clock at night. But I didn't know. I was, con- I was totally convinced that I'd slept all the way through the night and into the morning, and it was 8 o'clock in the morning, and I had to be at school, but I woke up at 8 o'clock at night, and I didn't know. Like, I'm not, I don't think I'm the only one that this kind of stuff happens to. If I am, it's only for your benefit. God has these crazy stories so that I can, I can tell you about them. But um, I thought it was a different time of day. It was because I wasn't fully awake. We can be disoriented in the spirit by what's going on around us. If we don't know where we are, what's happening, our sense of spiritual timing can be way off. It takes us some time to kind of get in step, but initially it can be challenging for us when we're, when God is waking us up to a new season. We may have to, how many, how many know the idea of rubbing the sleep out of your eyes? For me, it's like chunk stuff gets in there, you know, dry, dry, it's kidding. But our eyes open and we begin to adjust to the light, like what's going on? And we don't really see clearly. And that's actually true in the spirit realm. If you can apply that, we, we, start, we, we, we start to see in this new season that God's waking us up to and we may not see clearly. Like, um, people look like trees walking around is one scripture that comes to my mind. Um, my God, like, no, we need to pray again. That's not the way that's supposed to look. I think that this is happening right now in a big way for me personally. I'm feeling clearer about what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's not yet all the way clear. When we first wake up, we need to stretch, yawn. You know, our muscles are like tight and stiff and we got to stretch it out. This is true in the spirit too. We have, to, we have to continually remind ourselves that we're no longer sleeping, but that we're, we're coming awake to some new realities, that, are, that our lives are shifting and changing. And we need to stretch our spiritual muscles a bit to be able to thrive in the new awakened state. There can be a tendency to want to go back to sleep. Maybe not for you, but for me. I like to go back to sleep. I have to stay in the comfort and the warmth of my bed. And, and when, when I'm being awakened, it's like this sentence, like, I just want to pull the covers up over my head and roll over and pretend that it's not actually time to get up. But in the spirit, this is kind of obvious too, but there's that same tendency to want to go back to sleep, to not step into fullness. You want it, it, it can be a challenge to continue to deal with people or situations or challenges the same way with it that we used to. But we need stronger character. We need an increased capacity as people to live in this new awakened state. We need to develop some ways of increasing our capacity, maintaining our hope, our joy, our love through all the new things that are happening. And I'm going to stop right here. I have like four more pages. I'm kidding. It's just one more, but I'm good. This is a really great place for me to come back and encourage you to do the negativity fast. Because what has to happen for us is we actually have to develop new ways of thinking in order to be successful in the new awakened state that God's calling us into. 
This awakening angel is coming and he's shaking us and saying, it's time to wake up. I know you're all awake already. I know that you've already experienced salvation. I know that you've experienced a little in God, but he's saying there's more. He's waking us up. He's shaking us. He's breathing on us. He's saying it's time to wake up to a new reality, to a greater fullness. Don't just stand up. That'll keep me, that'll make me stop talking sooner. Because now, if you figure that out, then you can help me get through my messages a lot quicker. Just right in the middle, just stand up. And I'm like, oh, it's time to close it out. And no. <laughs> Let's just pray right now. Jesus, wake us up. I realized this morning that I, I, I'm the one that needs to be waking up more than anyone else here. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that's the truth, but I am saying it for me. It's like, I don't even have to worry about you. I got to wake myself up to what's going, what's going on in, in my own life. And, and so, Lord, we just ask you right now, come and wake us up. Come and stir us to awaken state. Come and stir us to begin to, to walk in the fullness, to begin to pray in the fullness for our own lives, to begin to, to partner with the truth of heaven, to declare a new reality over our own lives, to step into fullness. There's more, God. You've called us. You've called us to more, God. So wake us up. Wake me up, God. Wake me up and, and help me to get my muscles stretched and my eyes open and my heart awakened to what you're trying to accomplish in this season of my life, Lord. Wake me up, Jesus. Just put that on your lips. Wake me up, Jesus. Wake me up, Jesus. Don't let me stay asleep. I might have the appearance of being awake. I might have the reputation for being awake, but I don't want just that. I want to actually be fully awake. Awaken me, Lord. Don't leave one little part of me sleeping. Wake me up to fullness.